Oh, what a pleasure being here and hearing God's Word sung like that. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Oh, what a thrill. Thank you, Matt and Rebecca. We're glad to have you here with us, and thank you for sharing, um, sharing that with us. Okay. Here we go. Well, it's a delight to be with you. If anyone's counting, we've been here two months now. <laughs> it has been a good time, and, and you folks have been so good to us. Uh, we even had our first typhoon party this week. <laughs> we found out that when you're stuck in your flat... You find somebody who lives close by, and you get together with them. Uh, we have an invitation to another one, but uh, I don't know if we'll get any more typhoons or not. We'll, we'll see you anyway. Um, so we're, we're uh, enjoying it here. God is doing good things. And we're learning a lot about Hong Kong. You know, one of the things that surprised us when we first started looking into Hong Kong, we found out that there are 19 public holidays. Man, in America, we only get somewhere between 7 and 10. This is a great place. We get the Chinese holidays. We get the British holidays. And, and I don't know where they all come from. But I like holidays. There have been, there've been three of them in the two months that we've been here. I like holidays because holidays are a way to get to know the culture of the people where you are. We would go to the wonderful resource of Wikipedia and type in the, the name of what the holiday is, and we would start learning about uh, the holidays that are coming up so that we could celebrate and find out what's going on. My wife loves fireworks. You put on a fantastic display down along the harbor, and we could even just walk around the promenade. She reserved a bench for us there, and we had front seat, um, a front seat uh, bench there to, to watch the fireworks that they made for us. And, you know, we found out while we were in America, because we had students who came from around the world, that we could use the holidays to tell them about America. And we could also use the holidays as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. When Christmas holiday would come up, there was a curiosity as to how we celebrated it. And we had a tree, and we think of all these things because we're in North America, like snow, we hope for some snow on Christmas because it makes it look so pretty. Where are my friends from south of the equator? They think it's warm when Christmas comes. We think of it as being cold. And so there's the curiosity of the holiday of why do I see a Christmas tree or what do these lights mean? And I actually found that I could research the various things that tell us about the holiday. The trees, the lights, the wrapping paper, the gifts. That there's a way to work the gospel into that. Why do we give gifts at Christmas time? Well, 
It's like the gift that God gave of His Son. It's like the gift that the wise men gave when they came to see Jesus. You see, these things tell the story of God. And these things are a constant reminder of who God is. Can uh, I see the hands of all the people that would like to cancel Christmas this year? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. It's such a good memory. You have memory of times with your family, and hopefully you have memories of your time with God. They help tell the story about God. Well, we are in a series of sermons here, a series of messages Pastor Mike has been preaching. And by the way, I'm glad that he trusts me. He's not even here to hear my first sermon. He trusts me enough with what he's going to say. He'll probably go online and download the sermon and, and check that out. But Pastor Mike is, is on a holiday today and, and uh, um, he is away. Um, but we've been in this series called Ordered Chaos. And the idea of it is that by doing spiritual disciplines, by reading God's Word, by praying, by having solitude, by having fasting, we can break the chaos and have some order to our life and connect with God. Well, Pastor Mike took the hard ones, I think, because he talked about fasting. And you know what? There's not really a long line of people coming for fasting. It's one of the harder disciplines. It's one of the harder things to do, I think, because it, it affects us. And, and then the time of solitude. Do you remember what Pastor Mike did with the solitude week? He had everybody put their phone in a bag and put the bag under your chair. Because we get so distracted... We have trouble connecting with God. Well, I can't believe the topic that I have for today. Celebration and fellowship. That's what we like to do. We like to celebrate. We like to fellowship. I understand that, uh, how many people did we have at the barbecue last week? We were close to 200, 175, something like that. Um, people up at, uh, at uh, Mon Shan, do I have that right? Um, man, I know where I was. <laughs> I usually just get in a bus and go someplace. Um, but uh, we had a lot of people up there for the day at Mon Shan for the barbecue. And when we're looking at celebration and fellowship, it's one of the disciplines that I hope we fully use in our lives. Remember, the purpose is to connect with God amidst the chaos that's going on. Now, I know of two ways to break the chaos. Everybody says they're busy in Hong Kong. Everybody's busy. There's lots of things to do. And I see that, the fast pace. Um, and, and Hong Kong is just a place where you can do something 24 hours a day. Um, you know, does, does Central ever turn the lights off and sleep? I know of two ways to break the chaos, break the busyness. One is have a typhoon. That stops everybody. I can see the, the, the bus terminal uh, near our house, 
And on Friday, I was sitting up there looking down and there wasn't a single bus. There wasn't anybody walking. Nothing was going on because we had a T8. Now, I don't recommend having typhoons to break the chaos. Okay? First of all, we can't control it. But the second way is have a holiday. Have a celebration. And we'll stop. We'll put things aside. And we'll stop. Do you see what God has done? He has given us something like celebrations as a way to stop and think about God. And so I want to talk for just a little bit about celebrations, and then we're going to focus directly on fellowship. And then I want to focus a little bit about how we can grow and develop in both of these. And that's quite a thought. But there were seven celebrations, seven major celebrations in the Old Testament. There were a number of minor ones and other things that grew up. And you've probably heard of some of these celebrations. Um, All seven of the major ones were mentioned, at least in the New Testament. And so there's, there's something going on here. But there's the Passover. It's probably one of the most common celebrations. It's the one that started with the Exodus. Remember, the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt. And God was going to do this miraculous exodus where they left Egypt. Unfortunately, a part of that was that the um, oldest child of the Egyptians was going to be killed. The death angel would come. But if they did the celebration that God wanted them to do and have the Passover, they ate unleavened bread they put the blood on the doorposts, the death angel would pass over. And this was to be a remembrance for the Hebrew people that it was God that directed the exodus and the building of the nation so that they would remember who God is. There's the festival of unleavened bread. It comes seven days after the Passover. I don't fully understand the connection uh, and and why it's seven days later, but they only ate unleavened bread uh, during this festival seven days later. Then there's the First Fruits Festival. That would be a fall-time festival. It celebrates the harvest. It celebrates that God gave everything, and we're to give something back of the first of what we have. It was the first It's not gather everything for myself, and if there's anything left, I'll give it to God. You give it first before you really know how much you have. And so they would have the celebration of the first fruits. They would do each one of these celebrations on an annual basis. Their world would stop, and they would have celebration. They would have sacrifices. It would be like one of our big celebrations. Uh, first fruits, and then the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. It happened 50 days after the first fruits celebration. And it celebrated the giving of the law, the first books of the Bible, the giving of the law. Pentecost. I wondered why it was called Pentecost. And then I realized Penta means five. 
And it was 50 days later. So it has that name. Each one of these uh, come into the New Testament too. Then there's the Feast of Trumpets. It's the Jewish New Year celebration. I understand New Year's is the next fireworks here, right? Marianne, we're off again. (laughs) So the Feast of Trumpets was the Jewish New Year celebration. Um, The sixth one is the Day of Atonement. It was the holiest Jewish uh, day. They would have 25 hours of fasting, and the priests would offer sacrifices for the sin. Um, Any able-bodied Jewish man was expected to go to the temple, and uh, if they were at all possible to go there. And then the last one is is the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles. That's when they commemorated, once again, the Exodus. They lived in temporary dwellings. Like when they were going through the Exodus, they lived in tents. And so they would get these branches from trees and make temporary dwellings that they would live in for a week and uh, uh, just kind of celebrate, get your tent, go someplace, and go out into the wilderness or, or just near your house, and it's the Feast of Booths. So these were the seven celebrations that they had. Uh, They aren't evenly spaced throughout the year, but it was a time to stop and remember God. Do you know how your year gets um, put into a rhythm and into a cycle? We're towards the beginning of the school year. Certain things happen at the beginning of the school year. Certain things happen as we get towards Christmas or summer or different things. You get into these cycles. Now, we kind of a, a, a way to discover the cycle is take yourself out of it. As an American, we're looking forward to Thanksgiving. The Canadians already had it. The Americans are coming up the end of November. And it becomes a rhythm and a pattern in our life. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to stop and remember with the celebrations of who God is. When the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, one member of each tribe grabbed a big stone, or maybe several of them did, and they carried these stones to the side of the river. And they made this pile. And it says in the book of Joshua that God is instructing them to do this so that when their children asked, Why are these stones here? It becomes an opportunity to talk about the goodness of God and how He brought them across the Jordan River. Do you see the opportunities that we have with celebration? Another celebration is what we're doing right now, a weekly Sabbath, a time to set aside from our regular work, a time to come together and worship. And so these things build community, it remembers what God did in the past, and it teaches us things about God. If you understand the symbolism of the Passover, you can understand who Jesus is and how He came to be the Lamb of God. Simply from the story of the Passover, we can present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And isn't that incredible? God gave the Passover 
15, 1800, maybe 2000. I don't have my chronology exact there, but it is hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. And God could put the story together as one story, knowing that Jesus would be the fulfillment of that Passover. And so we have the celebration. Celebrations also anchor us into the bigger story of who God is. And I have a couple slides here that we can... Um, I'll try to keep up with that. Um, it anchors us into the story of God. Celebration causes the rhythms of our life to help us remember who God is. And so we want to move on and talk about fellowship. There are some similarities and differences um, as far as fellowship. But fellowship is something that we talk about more as we get together. Small groups, large groups, we can have fellowship where we know God. I hope you get an opportunity to talk to our, our, our Gideon people here because you'll discover in your Bible that fellowship is found in the first chapter of the Bible and the last chapter of the Bible and a whole lot of places in between. In the first chapter of the Bible, we find God creating the, creating the world. And God says, let us make man in our own image. God is a trinity. Three, fellowship. Let us make man for fellowship. We find hints and teaching about fellowship in the very first chapter. And if you go to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22... We find the Spirit, God's Spirit, saying to the bride, who's the bride? The church, saying, come. Why? The fellowship that got destroyed in Genesis chapter 2 gets renewed in Revelation 22. We can have fellowship again with God. Fellowship Fellowship is a mark of the church. Fellowship is something that we can do together. You find in Acts chapter 2, Jesus had just left. The people had prayed. And then Peter gives a sermon with several thousand people coming to Christ. What does it say about those believers, those new believers, as they start their walk with God? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. One of the things that we find happening as we get to know who God is, is we bond together with one another so that we can help one another, encourage one another, Pray for one another and fellowship together. What's the indication that God gave that we are a follower of Jesus Christ? What does Jesus tell His disciples to do 
so that it will be marked and known that they are disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in in, uh, John chapter 13, He says, All men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. One of the marks of fellowship is that we love one another. Isn't this good? We're talking about two disciplines, two Two things that God is commending us to do. That are easy, that are enjoyable. And God wants us to grow in. And salvation is the beginning of that. If you look at uh, 1 John 1.6, God's Word says, If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. We need to come to Jesus and know Him as Savior to have true fellowship with one another. Our fellowship starts when our hearts are united with God. And then we can unite together. One of the marks of salvation is fellowship. Salvation makes fellowship possible. Fellowship implies that we're responsible to one another. Somebody said fellowship is like two fellows in a ship. Maybe a small boat. I saw a cartoon once, an illustration of this. There were two two men in a small boat. The boat springs a leak. In the front. So the guy in the back says, start bailing, your end has a leak. It's not going to work if only one starts bailing. Because the leak on the front end is going to affect the back end. The ship, the boat will go down together. Two fellows in a ship are bonded together because not only the proximity of being close, but they're in the same boat together. They're in the same boat and will be affected by the waves up and down. Or if it springs a leak, they will be in it together. Communion demonstrates fellowship when we remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Communion demonstrates fellowship. We're centered around Jesus Christ, but we do it together. And so... I want to admonish us to acknowledge these two disciplines. These two spiritual disciplines. And realize that it's more than just the event. I know that as a young person, I like going to fellowship activities. For a teenager, it usually meant pizza. And some fun games. And doing things together. We're admonished to do those kinds of things. But I want to encourage you in something. To realize that we can grow in our fellowship with one another. It does not have to just be the surface level of pizza and games. 
Fellowship is something that God wants us to have to bond together so that we can become dependent on one another, encourage one another, and help one another as we grow. And so I want to look at this. If fellowship is something that we should grow in, how do you do it? How do I become a better fellowshipper? How do I do it? How do I use this gift, this discipline that God has called us to in a, in a mature way, in a spiritually mature way? So I want to help you be better fellowshippers, better at something that seems so fun and so natural, so much a part of our lives as we're drawn to other people and events. And the way I want to do that is I want to piggyback on the lesson that I just gave at 9.30. We talked about growing as a disciple. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to be growing in all areas, including fellowship. Now, I know that a lot of you weren't here at 9.30. We did have a good crowd. We had a, we had a good number of people here, and thank you for the ones that are here. For you that were here, we'll apply some of what I taught. And for those of you who weren't, I'm going to give you a quick overview so that when you start coming next week, you didn't miss the whole first lesson. So you're welcome to come back next week. We're going to be talking about it for seven more weeks. But what we did is we had four chairs. And each chair represents a challenge that God gave us. Um, The first chair is a challenge that Jesus gives to his soon-to-be disciples to come and see who he is. If you have a red letter edition of your Bible, these will be the first red letters with Jesus talking in John. Jesus meets two disciples who were with John the Baptist. They come to Jesus and Jesus challenges them to come and see who he is. It's an easy challenge. Just come. Be with me for a while. And one of the things that we find out in there is that Jesus started talking to them. You can get some of the time um, guidelines in the Bible. But Jesus started talking with them about mid to late afternoon. Maybe four o'clock. Roughly. And he talked with them for the remainder of the day probably 6 o'clock when the sun went down. The, the, the Jewish day ended at sundown. So Jesus had two hours um, as these disciples came and saw. They talked about things. They found out who He is. And actually, they, they walked with Him for more um, than those two hours. But they came to see who he, who he was. And this was the first challenge that Jesus gave. The second one is to come and follow. It's a little more intense. To just see, there's no commitment. It's just an observation. But when Jesus says come and follow, He's saying, what you've seen, start putting into practice. Follow what I do. 
The third challenge comes a little bit later, actually months later, where they have followed and they've seen Jesus teach. They've heard Him give the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And He says, now I want to make you fishers of people. He probably uses the term fishing because a number of the disciples were fishermen and they would go out in the boat with their nets and they'd collect fish. Their job was to get fish. Jesus gives them a new challenge. I want you to know how to fish for people. I will make you a fisher of people. I will teach you what it takes to be a fisherman. But catch people. And what we find is, this goes on for a, for a final command where Jesus says to go and, make, go and bear fruit. It's not so much the going, but it's the bearing fruit and multiplying the ministry that God's given you. You see, at the very beginning, they didn't even know who Jesus was. They had to come and see. And by the end, He's sending them out and saying, tell them all about me. Tell them who I am. Preach the good news. Share the good news with others. And what this does is it gives us a transition from being new in Christ and just curious and not sure who He is to committing your life to Christ and following Him to gaining the skills and using your spiritual gifts so that you become a fisher of people. And on to the point where you go out and you multiply ministry. Do you see the transition? Do you see what's happening as people are growing? It's almost like a child. A new child is born here. A young child who needs everything done for them. To here we might have a teenager or a young man. Someone who's able to do work, but needs to learn the skills to do that work. To here we have someone who's offering their wisdom as they go and bear fruit and multiply what God has. It's a transition. It's a progression. Could we grow in our fellowship? Could we mature in what God has for us? Let me ask you. What did the babies do up at Ma and Sean last week? Or the children? They enjoyed a good time. I don't know where they all went. I understand there were a bunch of them there, but I think some of them went off into the woods. Had a good time. Fellowship with one another. Do you guys know that people did a lot of work to make that thing happen? There was a lot of work. Matter of fact, Pastor Mike told us last week he was, uh, could hardly sleep the night before because he thought he forgot to delegate somebody to get the forks, the, the barbecue forks. But it was all taken care of because someone did the work. I was amazed when I came into the office one day and there were six big bags of charcoal. Someone did the work. Someone took care of getting the meat there. Someone got the fires started. There was a lot of work that went on. And the people that had the skills to do that, I was amazed that uh, you know, there are people that can resource 
um, food, they can resource the barbecue, uh, meat, the, the forks, everything. They had been taught the skills of how to do these things and efficiently get it done. There were people that organized the buses. There were people that organized the people so that I could get there. I didn't know where Ma and Sean was. And then there were things going on at that barbecue that were simply phenomenal. There were people that sat around the fires, around the picnic table, or on the blankets on the ground, and they were ministering to one another. Now, some of it was just chit-chat. I did some of that. But some of it was deep spiritual conversations. Finding out how someone's soul was. How they were doing. How they could pray for them. How they could encourage them. There were people that had job situations that were just not going very good. And that fellowship time was used to encourage and build one another up. You know, there was something else going on as I thought about this. There were some people that were going and bearing fruit who were not even there. There were some members of our congregation who did not go. I I understand some of it's difficulty hiking the mountain and getting there. But they were praying. They were praying that God would work that day. There were people who saw this as an opportunity. They said, I have some friends that are here in the come and see chair. They're not, the people in the come and see chair are just curious about Jesus. They don't fully know Him. And so they used the opportunity of the barbecue as a ministry opportunity instead of just Please pass the chicken. They used it as an opportunity to introduce this friend to another friend who also knows Jesus. Our Gideon brothers do a lot of ministry here. They help people who are curious about God to find God. And so if we understand that God wants us to use our celebrations, and our fellowship. It can become a lot more than just a big game and a big party. It can become an opportunity for ministry to happen on the mountain up on Ma and Sean or wherever it's going on. Invite someone to the restaurant. Go out to eat together. And allow the conversations to go deeper than just how is your day but talk about how's your time with Jesus. So use these things that we have. Use the celebrations. Use the fellowship to move deeper and deeper in your walk with God. Just a few things that I want to encourage you with 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 an application here. Um, I want you to see that the celebration is a way to remember God. God gives us these little remembrances and we can remember God. 
Use the fellowship times to connect with one another, but also to minister and reach out. Take these things and grow in them. It doesn't matter what chair you're in. Just be moving on and growing in your walk with God. And so I thank you. Thank you for listening. The worship team's going to be, be coming. I want to I just pray as they come and ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. Father, we thank you for these great times of celebration. We thank you for fellowship, that we're not in this alone, but that we have people who will walk alongside us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.